Is it possible? Is it okay if I move this down? In the second service, they like to preach uh, closer to the stage, so I'll do the same. Can you hear me? I was told that maybe people cannot see me if I stand up here. Can you see me? Okay, good. Uh, first of all, thank you very much to the worship team for that wonderful worship earlier today. And thank you to the church for this opportunity to speak. Uh, I don't take it lightly. Uh, I take it with a lot of heavy, heavy responsibility. Uh, first, I want to introduce my wife, Lydia. Uh, Lydia, I promise I won't, I won't embarrass you today. But she's sitting in front here today. Uh, as Pastor is saying, uh, we've been, when we were dating, uh, so I came over to PPH, but when we were dating, I wanted to make it clear to Lydia that I was ready to get married. So at the age of 35, uh, the urge to merge was great in this one here. And so I told Lydia early on that I had three marriage role models. I had three couples that were my marriage role models. Hint, hint. And I described to them you know, this marriage role models. And one of them uh, was actually a ma- uh, they're actually marriage counselors in Singapore. So we eventually went for premarital counseling. And uh, we went for premarital counseling twice, uh, there and also at PPH. And during mar- premarital counseling, we covered various topics that were of interest. So we covered topics like money, communication, how to have a good fight, uh, sexual uh, issues, and also marital faithfulness. And during the session, the husband shared with us his own struggles with mar- marital faithfulness. And so it was not what I expected. Initially, it was innocent flirting with a fellow co-worker. And then it was long lunches. Then it became after work, texts and social drinks after work. And as the husband was sharing, it became a darker and darker and bigger secret because he started planning how to have an affair. And his biggest concern was how not to get caught. So he became caught in this darkness. And what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. He was in this by himself. and He told no one until one day he let it slip to a fellow brother in Christ. And that brother told him, you must tell your wife. There's no two ways about it. Please tell a wife. And eventually, he told his wife, and light finally came in. And he was saved from a very, very big mistake. So today, the topic that I want to share with you is moving from darkness into the light. Uh, we are in this series at PPH, and we're talking about, we're talking through the Ephesians. And so, Ephesians 4 to 6 talks about how we live in a community of Christ. Uh, Pastor Kok Fai shared two weeks ago about living in unity as a body of Christ. And to live in unity, we need to walk in humility, in gentleness, with patience and forbearance. And then Chi Ming continued to talk about putting off your old self and putting on your new self, and that we all have a new identity in Christ now, that we're all royalty. You're a prince, you're a princess, although we may not act like royalty. 
And today I want to continue on with this series on chapter 5. So let us read uh, chapters, Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, please turn it open, your iPhones, your iPads, please turn it open and we'll read together. Ephesians 5 verses 1 to 20. Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. For be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so this chapter, well, first of all, I was given a choice of which passage to speak about from pastor. I immediately chose this passage because I certainly didn't want to preach about marriage. <laughs> so I, I'm going to break this chapter up into four parts. The first part is a continuation of what Chi Ming preached, verses 1 to 2, where we follow God's example. And verses 3 to 7, he moves on. And it's similar to what we preached last week where there was the old self and then the new self. And this week, we're going to talk about darkness and light. And so in verses 3 to 7, he talks about different fruits of darkness, the fruitless deeds of darkness. And after the darkness, he talks about how we expose this darkness and finally we move on to living in the light and living in the Holy Spirit. So verses 1 to 2 there's the word here, therefore. And when there's a therefore, there's something before that and something after that. And he starts with therefore because in chapters 4, he talked about, as Pastor Chiming mentioned, he talked about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. So this is the act of following God's example and walking in the way of love. So that's the transition between chapters 4 and 5. And so instead of going, talking about old self and new self, he now goes into darkness 
and then light. And so I'm going to start off with what he describes as the fruitless deeds of darkness. Fruitless deeds of darkness. There are a couple here, but I'm going to pull out three. The first fruitless deed of darkness is what he calls sexual immorality. And in this case, the word used here in Greek is porneia. Porneia. And porneia here is the word pornography, right? Pornography. And as I did some uh, research about Ephesus, it's good to to talk to you about what Ephesus was. And it makes sense why this porneia was an issue. Ephesus was a very rich port city. There was trade going on. And I had the fortunate uh, chance of being in Ephes, as it's called today. It's in modern-day Turkey. And even today, the ruins of the city are pretty glorious. It's a rich city with streets lined. During my tour of the city, Ephes, the tour guide was very proud to show us, sir, look, this street once was full of brothels. And so if you've been there, and if you've been to the same tour company, they'll show you the street full of brothels. So this is part and parcel of a port city uh, because there are lots of people coming in from far and abroad. There's a, a thriving economy of prostitution. And prostitution was very common, was accepted, and was a very important part of the economy. And beyond that, uh, it's also very common because it's a rich city uh, for the rich people in town to hold parties. And in these parties, he will invite and pay for prostitutes. And so there were sexual orgies going on. And lastly, uh, for many rich men in town, it was very common to have young teenage boys as sexual partners. So to the church in Ephes, when you talk about porneia, it covers the whole gamut from not being faithful to your wife, to prostitution, sexual orgies, and even the act of having young boys as sexual partners. And so to them, it was a shock when Paul says, not even a hint of porneia, because this was a very important part of their society, of their economy. But it gets even worse. So Jesus Christ upped the stakes. He upped the stakes because he said, Jesus said in Matthew 5, uh, 28, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's not just physical adultery. Jesus upped it and talked about adultery with your eyes. So the, to the church in Ephes, this was a shock because this was something that it was common, important part of the economy. So what does this mean for our church today uh, in Singapore? Well, I would argue that perhaps uh, open prostitution is not a common thing anymore and that many of us do not indulge in that and that we don't get invited to sexual orgies over the weekend and certainly it's not acceptable for us to have teenage boys as sexual partners. But I think before we move on from this passage to say that it doesn't apply to us, I want to plead with you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that I think sexual immorality, porneia, is still prevalent in our society today, but different. And the issue today, I think it's maybe not uh, open public sexual orgies, but it is pornography uh, in the church and among the people, uh, people of God. When I was in college, uh, in my last year of college, I worked really hard so that I only have one, sem- one class left in my last semester. 
I had one really easy class. I think it was photography or something like that. And the reason why I did that was because I wanted to have a lot of free time in my last semester. Uh, I ended up becoming a Campus Crusade for Christ uh, staff. And because I wanted to be staff, I wanted to have a lot of free time. So I finished all my classes early and then had time. And as Campus Crusade for Christ, I led Bible studies during the day. I had many uh, students that were my mentors, uh, mentees, I mean. And then I also attended multiple uh, Christian leader events in the city of Philadelphia at that point in time. But because I had a lot of free time, I started picking up certain bad habits. When you have a lot of free time, somehow it attracts stuff. And, and what happened to me that summer was that, no, not summer, that last semester, is that I started getting addicted to pornography. Eventually, what was happening was that during the day, I was this student uh, leader, Campus Crusade for Christ leader. So by day, I was leading Bible study, but by night, I was addicted to pornography. It got darker and darker and darker, and I told no one because the shame was so great. Here I was, this great student leader, by day, but by night, I was stuck in this vicious sin and cycle of addiction. So I'll continue on with this later on in my sermon, but this darkness came upon me and I couldn't escape because I was by myself and I told no one because of the shame. So that's the first fruitless deed of darkness, sexual immorality, porneia. The second, Paul goes on to talk about greed and he says, not even a hint of greed. And the word here, greed, he also talks about idolatry. So I ask myself, why is the greedy person an idolater? Why is he or she an idolater? So to answer this question, what is an idol? What's an idol? An idol is something that you put your trust in. An idol is something that you put your security in. An idol is something that is precious to you. And so, a greedy person is an idol, is an idolater because he or she puts his trust and security and worships possession and wealth. That's an idolater. And in the past, I never understood why families could be torn apart because of money. I never quite understood that until I had uncles I have three uncles in my own family that don't talk to each other anymore because of a financial squabble. And I see many heads nodding here because you know that that happens. But this is something that always happened to someone else. But I realized that I was not immune to it myself. And this realization happened when I bought my first brand new car. It was a very nice car. Uh, but after using the car for only one year, I left it behind in Malaysia and I came to Singapore to be with Lydia. So Lydia, you're more precious to me than a car. <laughs> but because the car was back home in Malaysia, I didn't use it, right? It was sitting there. And then my brother started using it, you know, first for a few days. And then he started using it all the time. So whenever I went back home to Malaysia, I would notice with my eagle eye, little scratches in the car, and then little bumps. It really, really riled me up. 
And then I started getting a very uh, frustrated. And I asked my brother, hey, Gaul, since you use my car all the time, why don't you just buy the car from me? Because you need a car, right? And so he did agree, but then was the issue of price, how much to pay. And he made an offer that I thought was really, really low. <laughs> and I got so, so, so angry. I was seething inside. I lost so much sleep over that. And for those of you who know me, I sleep really well every night. But I lost sleep and I couldn't get over this. This became a burning anger, like a fire that just started growing. And I couldn't understand why. And I shared this with Lydia. I shared this with my accountability partner. And as we talked about it, it became very obvious that I did not own that car. That car owned me. I was holding onto it with a really tight fist. And what happened? It's, you know, greed is, most of us are not greedy in a very explicit manner. We're not like Joe Lau. You know, we don't own a $500 million yacht you know, or a private jet. And by the way, he was my classmate, but that's a different story. <laughs> We're not explicitly greedy like that. But in my case, I held on to money and it became my idol because it was my source of security. So if you touch my source of security, you really struck at my source, uh, you touched my car, in this case, my wealth and possession. You affected my security and it bothered me so very much. Also, it became a source of great tension because it started owning me. <clears throat> it's not about how much wealth you have, how much or how little, but in this case, it's a very subtle issue where greed, in this case, where wealth becomes your source of security, becomes your source of significance. And so, uh, as I talked to my brother and my, uh, so I talked to my wife and my uh, accountability partner, he suggested one thing. Why don't you learn to let go? Learn to let go and be extra, extra generous with your brother and your family because the only antidote, the only solution to this form of idolatry is to let the idol die and to give it up. And so slowly but surely, I had to learn whenever my brother didn't pay for the meal, when he was slow to pick up the wallet. <laughs> you know? The, uh, why don't Josh, you be the one that pays it? And when no one says thank you for that meal, you be the one that pays for that meal. Don't wait for someone else. Do it. And eventually, if you do it more and more again, if you fight against this idol, you will have freedom. I'm not completely free from it yet, but I recognize that this is a very subtle thing that comes. And eventually, for some of us, it tears our families apart. But I do not want to be like that. I want to be set free. So that's the second uh, fruitless deed of darkness. This insidious very quiet greed that creeps in into our lives. This love of money or this security in money and wealth. The third fruitless deed that is described here is around what it says here, obscenity, foolish talk, 
Are we there yet? Hold on. Yes. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Now, why did he mention this? Did you, do you, did you, like, why is it here? And as I talk about it, it's because in Ephesus, people will brag about the parties that they held. People will boast about the prostitutes that they visited. They'll boast about the young boys that they had as sexual partners. And so this is potentially part of the reason why Paul talked about it, because it was commonplace to brag and to talk about one's sexual conquest over the weekend. I think it is pretty safe to say that it's not common practice in today's, uh, in, at least among our church today, that we will boast about you know, our visit to Geylang last week uh, for prostitution or even the sexual partners that we have that are underage. We don't do that anymore. But I want to turn and refer to a verse that we spoke about uh, last week. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 Ephesians 4.29, it says here, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, certainly obscene talk, coarse joking about one's sexual conquest is certainly unwholesome talk. But I don't think that's really an issue for us today, for many of us. But what is an issue What's an issue is when we talk behind others people, other people's back. You know, when we share a prayer request about someone else, but actually it's meant to share a juicy gossip. You know, so-and-so, you know, did you hear so-and-so did this and this? So it's about gossiping. It's about in a workplace where we try to get ahead by maybe spreading something that's not quite true or putting someone down. But I think for me, uh, the best example uh, is not about focusing on unwholesome talk or what you shouldn't say. I rather focus on what you should be saying. So, what should you be saying? What we should be saying are things that build each other up, that strengthen the body of Christ, that strengthen the bond of marriage and love. So, instead of telling you, don't talk about this, don't talk about that, instead, Focus on what we should talk about. It is what builds us up. During the marriage counseling that, we, that I shared with you earlier, the husband and wife shared about how it is really important to build each other up in marriage and how our words, especially to our spouses, can really build them up or tear them down. It gives us either a great start to a day or really a terrible start. Um, I like this verse that I got from uh, Lewis. It says there, Husbands, if you are right, shut up. If you're, but if your wife is right, please say it. No? So encourage your wives, encourage your husbands. I think I, I want to maybe embarrass Lydia a bit here by saying that She's really been an encouragement to me because she always focuses on what I'm doing right. She builds me up in public and then admonishes me in private. <laughs> but through this relationship, I'm encouraged because I have a partner 
that grows with me, that encourages me, that strengthens me. So Lydia, thank you for that. So this third fruitless deed is around foolish talk. So instead of focusing on what you shouldn't say, I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, look at your words. Focus on what builds others up and encourages them. So now that I've covered the fruitless deeds of darkness, I want to go on to verses 8 to 14. So this comes the good news. Can you pat the person on the left and right and say, good news, this is good, good news. And what is the good news? The good news is this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You were once darkness. You're not just living in darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, I think that's great news. And I chose this passage because it reminds me that despite the depth of my sin, there is hope, living hope in Christ, and we are now light. But you may say to me, Josh, uh, Josh, I don't feel like light. And many times I feel like darkness itself. I still live in sin. I feel like darkness. As mentioned by Pastor Chi Ming, even though you are now a prince and a princess, you may not act like royalty. And even though you are now light, you may not act like it. But that is the truth of Christ, that now we have freedom in Christ, that we no longer are slaves to sin, but we are now slaves to righteousness. So this is the change that has happened. And this has happened to everyone here. Uh, you know, what's important in this verse is that you are now light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. And why is that? Uh, last night, if you notice, it was a full moon. And with a full moon, it shines bright in the, in the night. But the source of the light of the moon is not the moon itself. It shines bright because it's reflecting the light of the sun. So in the same way, O sleeper, the, Christ, the light of Christ has shined upon you. And so because of that, you are light because Christ's light is shining on you and you are reflecting that light. So it doesn't matter whether you have no source of light because you don't, but you are reflecting Christ's light. And so that's the good news. And so I want to just go on to the next part, which talks about if now we are light, we're no longer darkness, if now we are light, how should we live? And so the first part here is in uh, verses 11 and verses 13. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So to live in the light of the Lord, the first thing that's mentioned here is to expose, expose the darkness. How do you expose the darkness? Essentially, you shine light on it. And in our context, how do we expose the darkness that, that threatens to surround us? So there are a few examples that uh, is very pertinent in even my own life. The first is to confess our sin to God, 
And I would encourage you to go beyond that. Go beyond confessing sins to God, but to confess it to one another. Now, it is very difficult. It is embarrassing. But this is truly, to live in a community of Christ, we have to learn to live and to be open and to be transparent, to expose these areas of darkness. You know, when I preach this part, I try not to look at anyone in the eye too much in case you start feeling that, you know, the Holy Spirit is telling me something about you. Not the case. But what's really important is that in terms of confessing our sins, 1 John 1.9 says this. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And I want to even take it one step further. Not just confessing your sins to one another or to God, but also to build an accountability around you so that even before darkness comes in, there are other brothers and sisters in Christ that is a source of light that can stave off the darkness. So it's not just curative, not just to treat, but it's to prevent. I think it's going back to my story earlier. So when I was in my last semester of college, I fell into this addiction to pornography. It was a very shameful period, and I could not turn to anyone. But eventually, eventually, I summoned the courage to confess my sin, to confess my struggles with another brother in Christ. Uh, and some of you who were in my first sermon, uh, this person is called Albert, and what we would do every week is that we had a piece of paper and we wrote down a list of questions that we would ask each other, and then we wrote it and we passed it to the other person to keep. And on that list of paper, my top question on top was, have I been pure with my eyes? Have I been pure with my eyes? And have I stayed away from pornography? That was the first question. And then there are other questions there, down that list. And then the last question on that list is, have I lied? You know, have I lied to any of the questions on top? And this list of questions really helped open up my life to another person in Christ. But we went even beyond that. Because, you know, we are really smart people, I could tell a lie or two. So what we did was, we gave each other access to our computers. So we installed a software that I could see what he was seeing on his computer, and he could see what I was seeing. So it would log all our transactions and send it to the other person. And he had access to my phone, uh, access to what I saw. And now the access, he has access, but also leader has access to it also. Uh, so we both have access. And the reason for this is because I know that I need radical transparency in my life. I don't trust myself, and neither should you. I don't trust myself because I recognize that if I'm left by myself in darkness, it is very easy for us to stray. It is very easy. So why even bother? So because of this radical accountability, this has set me free. 
And I want to encourage you today, if you're struggling with something in darkness and by yourself, you're telling yourself, maybe with sheer will and determination, I can overcome this sin and darkness. Maybe you can, but maybe you can't. I encourage you, why don't you reach out and let light in and expose that darkness. Expose that darkness. So the first way of living the light is to expose the darkness. But then it goes on uh, in verses 15 to 18. To live in the light of God, we need to be filled in the Holy Spirit. So I'll read to you uh, verses 18. Why don't we all read together verses 18? One, two, three. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Thank you. So verse 18, do not be drunk on wine, released to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Have you wondered why he makes that contrast between wine and the Spirit? Uh, I don't think it's because both, one's a Spirit, alcohol, and one's a Holy Spirit. I don't think it's that. Although I did wonder. It's because I've read, I read this, and it's because some people argue that if you are drunk on wine, you are controlled by wine and it leads to debauchery and to sin. But if you are filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by the Spirit and that leads to righteousness and life. So if I paraphrase this, verse 18, I could say this, do not be controlled by wine, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see the contrast? All believers in this room, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit with you. There's assurance of that. You have the Holy Spirit. However, not everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit because not everyone in this room is continually controlled and powered by the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can act in disobedience. And so, Paul's prayer for us this day, is that we live spirit-filled lives that we are controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. From Ephesians 3.17, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus to say that, may you grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays that we may be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you this day, my brothers and sisters, if not for the Holy Spirit, indeed, with man, it is impossible. It is impossible to live out of darkness. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why we pray that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that God will empower us and control us each day. And that's living by the Holy Spirit. And the last point I want to uh, bring to you before we end today is this. To live in the light of God, to live in the light, we need thankfulness. We need thankfulness. 
Why is that? What has thankfulness got to do with darkness, in our battle against darkness? I got some help from John Piper for this. And so I read, from, I read to you from John Piper. Imagine for a moment your city is surrounded by enemy forces who aim to destroy you. Uh, Lydia knows that I like stories about battles. I love when you storm a castle and you fight the enemies off. I love that kind of scene. So that's why I like Lord of the Rings. So imagine for a moment you're surrounded by the enemies. However, you discover that there is a song, a song in which the enemy cannot tolerate. And whenever the enemy hears this song, they pull back and run the other direction. Isn't it certain that if you knew this song, you would want to learn it? And after you learn this song, wouldn't you sing this song every morning when you wake up and sing this song before you sleep? And as your confidence grew, wouldn't you even venture out into the enemy lines and sing this song? The more deeply embedded this song is in your mind, the more steady and deep and fearless and serene your life will be. And in fact, others would hear this song from you and want to learn this song. And they want to sing it also. Church, we already know what this song is about. This song is a song of thankfulness. This song is a song of thankfulness. If we sing a song of thankfulness, the evil one and Satan cannot stand this song. He has to flee. So, I want to leave off with this last point. That if we sing this song of thankfulness, the evil one has to flee. And that's how darkness has to flee. The good thing about this is that it goes both ways. When you sing a song of thankfulness, darkness has to flee. But as darkness flees and as you are filled by the Spirit of God, the song also naturally comes up. That when you're filled by the Holy Spirit, it naturally also gives you a thankful heart, a joyful heart. And it comes up and bubbles up. So it's a great thing. It causes us to be joyful. And also, at the same time, it causes us to rise up in thankfulness to God. So I just want to summarize right now. I started off with a story of a brother in Christ that was living darkness, and myself included. We live in darkness, and we're surrounded by sins of sexual immorality, of greed, or even of the words that we say that tear down and not build up others. But thanks be to God, my brothers and sisters, we have hope in Christ. We are now no longer darkness. We are now light. So live as we are in the light. And we have freedom because of what has Christ done for us. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit that gives us freedom. We can expose the darkness by confessing our sins and being accountable. And lastly, I encourage you to be thankful and to sing this song of thankfulness to Christ and to all of us around so that darkness, so that darkness in this case can be dissipated and light can come in. I want to invite the worship team to come up right now. And I want to encourage you to all just bow down 
And just to reflect on the words that were shared today. You know, with a sermon like this, it's very important that one reflects on one's life. And I think there are two groups of people today that I want to speak to. There are two groups. The first group are those of us who are struggling with darkness in your lives. You are struggling and there's no one else that knows about your struggles. You're struggling alone with darkness. Maybe it's sexual immorality. Maybe it's the greed that holds on to you tight and owns you. And maybe it's the words that you struggle with, the words that you, instead of building up your spouse or your family member, you tear them down. You say words that are hurtful and you cannot stop yourself. You cannot stop yourself. If you're living in darkness, my brothers and sisters, there is hope. I want you to live in the light, to confess to God and to a brother or sister in Christ and to live in light, to ask God to strengthen you and to set you free. Don't live in darkness anymore. Live in the light and ask God to help us. Help us, O God. Help us, O God. Also, some of you may not even know about God. I mean, you have heard about Jesus Christ. You've been attending our church for a few times now. And maybe you have not known this personal Lord and Saviour. I want to encourage you this day, if that is you, if you do not know God yet, I want you to know that God loves you. And despite the darkness that you are in right now, God wants to set you free. And the work is done. All you have to do is to confess to God that He is the Lord and to ask the Lord into your lives and to ask Him to set you free. Salvation and freedom is available for you today. If that is you, I want you to respond also.
Let's rise. Once we were darkness, but now we are light because we are set free. We are not set free because you are a living hope. If you are living and struggling with darkness in your life, I want to encourage you that you respond to this altar call. I want to encourage you. Don't worry about what others may think. Don't worry about what others may say, because by stepping out in the light, darkness will flee. And if that's you today, I encourage you. You are free to walk up to the front to have an elder or deacon or church to pray for you, or open up your palms to say to God, "God, help set me free." But I want you before you leave this auditorium today. To respond to God, because I know He has spoken to you. To respond to God, to say, "God, help me, set me free from this darkness." Also, if you do not know this Jesus Christ that we are talking about, He is here to bring freedom. Even if you don't know Him today, I ask that you respond and give your lives to Him. Tell. The person that brought you today, tell him or her that you want to know this Jesus Christ. You want to know this person that can set you free. You want to know this living hope. So I encourage you. If you want to respond, open your palms before God, or come to the front, and I will pray for you. I want to give you a few moments to respond, and then I'll pray for you. With no eyes open and no eyes looking, I just want you to respond to the Lord right now. Open up your palms to the Lord. Lord Father, you see the many hands that are open. You see us for who we are, and thanks be to God, we can have freedom in Christ. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That we do not live in darkness anymore, but we will expose the darkness and live in the light and be filled by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, for all the hands that are open. May you grant us your strength and control and empower us. I pray that God, Father, we will learn to live in community. We will expose and confess 
and live in community. And I pray, Father, for those who do not know you, I pray that, God, you will draw our hearts to you. They will come to know this living hope. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I pray that, God, Father, you will continue to change us and transform us, that we may indeed live in the light in the Lord. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.